Are you a giver? Do other people look to you for advice, wise counsel, and problem solving? Well, that may be working great for them and may not be working so well for you. So join me today and let's figure this out. What does it mean to love and work well? And how do I pursue what truly matters? Working at the intersection of business and psychology, I help you answer these questions and more so you can focus priorities, inspire change, lead with courage, and live with more joy today. Hi, I'm Dr. Melissa Smith. Welcome to the Pursue What Matters podcast, where we focus on what it takes to thrive in love and work. And I just have to do a quick shout out because, oh my goodness, it's our two-year anniversary, which may not seem like a big deal um, to anyone, but I got to tell you, like putting out a podcast every week for two years, you know, it. It's quite a job, um, but it's been awesome. I've really loved um, doing the podcast and hopefully you found value in it, but just wanted to do a quick shout out um, that it's our two year anniversary and mostly I need to do a shout out to my incredible integration team because they are the ones that make this all happen. So um, to Josie and to Jackson and to Riley, thank you for all you do because you are the power behind the podcast. Okay, so let's jump in to our topic today. So are you a giver. Um, and this can happen for a lot of people, right? If you are a leader, if you are a parent, <laughs> um, right? We think about what it means to, um, to be a giver, right? And we think about this in terms of your relationship. So this the question is, who are you for others? Now, if you've listened to a couple of my recent podcasts, I've been talking about the five people you need in your corner and really focusing in on um, who you need in your life to help you to be successful and to achieve your goals. And we all really need to be asking those questions. And so if you haven't had a chance to uh, take a listen to um, that podcast, the five people you need in your corner, um, then I will link to it. And I would definitely encourage you um, to check that out. And so when we ask the question, who are you for others, right? just as important to this conversation and this question is, you know, having clarity about who, who you are in, in people's lives, right? Are you a cheerleader for others? Are you a collaborator with others? Are you a challenger? And do you spur the growth of those around you? Are you a coach, whether formal or informal? Or are you a consultant? Do you bring your expertise to bear in the lives of others? And so these are the five people that all of us need in our corner. And that's what I cover on the recent podcast. But I want you to really think about who you are for others. So it is so incredibly important to be a generous giver, right? To contribute where you can and to support the growth of others. I am all about that and have seen so many times how that creates a virtuous cycle for more growth, more generosity and success for all involved. So it's that is a powerful principle. But you know, the next question I have for you, right? So the first question is, who are you for others? And so thinking about your contributions to others. But now I have a second question for you. And this can be kind of a hard question. And that is, do you give too much? 
right? And that's really what I want to focus on today in our podcast, because I think this part of the conversation really gets overlooked very often. And so before I say more about this question, I do just want to um, remind you that with the with the podcast, you know, every week my goal is to help you pursue what matters and to strengthen your confidence to lead. And I do that in one of three areas, right? So clarity. Um, so can you see what matters and why it matters? Curiosity, which is all about self-awareness and self-leadership and community when we really focus on building and leading a powerful community. And so today with the podcast, as we are looking at, you know, this idea of being a giver, it's it's really focused on all three areas. But particularly, um, I want you to po- focus in on curiosity. And so this podcast today is an invitation to self-awareness to to help you to kind of assess how you're doing in your relationships um, and whether you're depleted, whether you're renewed. And of course, it also has a lot to do with community because, you know, you're, you're contributing and you've got meaningful relationships. And that's all so important to having a vibrant community. But the question is, do you give too much? Do you expend yourself on the goals of others Um And leave nothing for yourself at the end of the day, the end of the year, or sadly, the end of your life. So we don't want this to happen to you. It is so essential to find that very fine balance. And I would just say it is a fine balance. I don't think I have that totally figured out at all. Um, But that fine balance between supporting and encouraging others while also making time for your goals protecting your energy and ensuring that you don't lose sight of what you need to prioritize in order to be successful in your own life, right? And that really brings in that third component of clarity. You need to have clarity about your purpose and your goals so you don't just get pulled along on the goals of others and get to, you know, the end of your life, the end of the trail and realize, oh my goodness, I didn't fulfill potential. I didn't do what I felt compelled to do in life. Um, Obviously, we don't want that for any of us. So now I have a third question, right? Are you a giver? And so let's assess this. I want I want to, you know, unpack this a little bit and help you understand what what being a giver looks like. Um, And so today's episode is really focused on helping you take a look in the mirror while also taking a look at your relationships to better understand if you are a giver and what this might mean for you, um, your relationships, and the likelihood of achieving your goals, okay? So let's determine first if you are a giver. And maybe you're not a giver, but you know um, you have givers in your life, right? And so even if you're not a giver, it's really good to pay attention to these because you know you don't want to unwittingly drain the givers in your life. So let's determine if you are a giver. So some of the characteristics of being a giver in relationships include that you are sensitive to the needs of others, right? You can kind of see what's happening. You're empathetic pretty naturally. Um, you have a desire to contribute and help where you can. And if that's true for you, you might 
kind of assume that that's true for everyone, but that is absolutely not a thing for a lot of people. They don't necessarily have a desire to help others or to contribute um, to to other individuals, right? They're kind of very narrowly focused on um, their own their own goals. And so if you're a giver, you, you have a desire to contribute. Um, that is a for most givers, a deeply held value. Um, Also, you are grateful for where you are in your life and your career, and you have a desire to give back. And that, you know, of course, is such a powerful force in the world. So you're grateful. You're also generous with your time and your energy. And you are a nurturer, right? So you see a need and you want to jump in and help, right? When you see a need, you, you, maybe can't even help yourself from jumping in to help out. So those are some of the characteristics of what it means to be a giver. But there is a shadow side of being a giver, as is true with most things in life, right? And so let's talk a little bit about the shadow side. And first of all, if you if you give too much um of yourself, your time, your expertise, your energy, and your skills, right? That's the big risk. You just deplete yourself. You you don't have boundaries with folks. You maybe don't value your skills enough to protect them or to charge for them, right? So if we think about this in a professional setting, maybe you're giving away your products and your services and your expertise for free. Um, And certainly there are times for that. But um, when we see this in a professional setting, it can be really undermining because you're not able to sustain your work. Um, Perhaps you don't value yourself enough to protect your time, your energy, and your well-being. A really big Um, red flag that we can sometimes see with givers, not all, but you fail to set boundaries with others. Um, You end up depleted from always saying yes. You struggle saying no, right? And this this is the big one when it comes to boundaries. You struggle saying no. And you may have some underlying beliefs that feed that struggle. So maybe you believe it is a moral failing if you were to say no, if you could help. Maybe you believe you have an obligation to say yes. And sometimes this can become a twisted form of gratitude, right? Like I've been given so much. I really do need to help where I can. But when you do that without a clear sense of boundaries, um, you can get run over. Um, And another underlying um, factor that can contribute to the struggle saying no, and this is a hard one, but you like the dopamine hit that comes in saying yes and pleasing others in the moment, even when you legitimately should be saying no. And that can be a big one, right? Like you say yes in the moment and then, you know, you take a step back and maybe you look at your schedule, maybe you look at all the other demands on your time and you realize, oh my goodness, like I should have said no. And maybe even in the moment I knew I needed to say no, but I don't want to let others down. I It feels good to be the hero. It feels good to be the one that can solve the problems and um, answer others' needs. And that can be a pretty dangerous game to play because it really 
moves you away from understanding your own needs and responding to them. So uh, another shadow side of being a giver is you end up burned out or resentful when others don't value your time and skills, right? But this is the hard truth. You have taught others not to value your time and skills if you're giving those away for free. So, you know, you can be frustrated and um, as resentful as you want to be, but there are many ways that we teach people how to treat us. Um, And so we need to be very mindful about that. So if you're not holding your own boundaries, do not expect anyone else to do that for you. Um, Another shadow side of being a giver is you become a giver in most of your relationships. Okay. And so this can be hard, right? Like if you take on this responsibility to, um, to be the strong one, to be the supportive one, to be the cheerleader all the time in all your relationships to, um, right. To, to be the one that others come to for advice and problem solving, you wow, your needs are going to become lost and your relationships become very unbalanced. And again, the net result is you end up frustrated or resentful when your needs aren't recognized or met. But again, if you set up an imbalanced um, relationship because it feels good to be the giver, um, right, you can really breed dependence and, you know, in the other person and then resentment in yourself. Because um, when you're the giver, there's not much room for your needs to also be met. Um, The other thing that happens when you're the giver in most of your relationships is that you can become incredibly overwhelmed with the pressure to give to those around you. So some of the ways that this pressure can um, show up is, you know, pressure on yourself to solve others' problems. And um, over time, those in your life really start to look to you to solve their problems, thus adding more pressure to you. And of course, they become more dependent. So ways that you um, that one of the one of the challenges here is that there are ways that you have possibly taught those in your life to depend on you and to see you as the problem solver because it feels good in the moment but this is ultimately disempowering for them because their solutions reside outside of themselves right their solutions reside in you and so it keeps those you love completely dependent. And if you take a step back, that's probably not the kind of relationships you want, right? Whether that's with a spouse, whether that's with a colleague, whether that's with a child, right? Of course, children, depending on the age, are more dependent. So I'm not talking about not parenting them. Um, But we want to teach everyone, especially our kiddos, that they can know what's best for them and that they can start to um, cultivate that inner knowing and learn to listen um, to their needs and to their beliefs and their opinions about things. And, you know, certainly in the context of parenting, you can be there to guide them in that process. But we don't want dependent relationships. So, you know, this is ultimately frustrating for you because it's stressful to always have to be the problem solver in others' lives, right? Like you end up stressed and unbalanced. 
And so those are the shadow sides of being a giver. And so now I want to talk about why it is so incredibly important to hold boundaries as a giver, right? Because there are so many characteristics that you have as a giver that are virtues, right? That are gifts. They're incredible. But if you don't have some good boundaries in place, um, you're going to be depleted. So even when you are legitimately functioning in a giver role, like such as a coach, such as a therapist, such as a leader, a helping professional, right? You still um, must have good boundaries that protect you from burnout, resentment, and frustration, right? So I'm a helping professional. I'm a psychologist. I do clinical work and I'm also a leadership coach. And so, right, like I am legitimately in a giver role um, in my professional work. But one, you know, my, my first companion in that, um, in that role is good boundaries and it's it's what really protects you to do the work so let's think about some of these boundaries the first one would be time boundaries what are your operating hours and i want you to think about these boundaries and um, how these might show up for all of your relationships where you're a giver so regardless of whether this is um, work related, right? Like you're in a professional giver role, um, or you're leading a team or whether this relates to your personal relationships, right? So loved ones. And so that might sound weird to hear me say, what are your operating hours? But I mean it. I mean, I have abs- I absolutely have operating hours where I do not respond to texts, um, after a certain hour, whether, you know, with their professional, those boundaries are, you know, many of the people I work with wouldn't necessarily have my number in the first place. But, you know, if it's a work-related text, unless it's an emergency, I wouldn't um, respond to it. And there are very few emergencies. Um, I wouldn't respond to it after, say, five o'clock, six o'clock in the evening. Um, but I also have operating hours for loved ones as well, right? First of all, everyone knows my bedtime and my family. And honestly, most of my family and friends know my bedtime. And so they kind of know if I send Melissa a text, um, she's not going to get it until tomorrow morning. And that's cool. And that's, that's not a problem. And it's great for me because I don't feel the pressure to always be on call. I don't feel the pressure to, oh my goodness, like I need to respond to this text. And, you know, that could be another entire, um, podcast episode where we talk about, um, you know, responsiveness on the phone. Um, but you should have some operating hours. You must establish time boundaries in order to protect, to protect your time and energy. So some, uh, some examples of how these time boundaries can show up, right? In addition to what I've just talked about with texting is maybe you respond to emails twice a day only. Um, and you can even communicate that to people. You can even have, um, uh, an auto response that says, I only, respond to emails at 4 p.m. each day. Thank you for, you know, your understanding. Like that could be um, part of your signature line. That could be an auto reply. 
or I only respond to emails twice a week, whatever that is. Um, Do not respond to emails or calls after hours with the team that I lead. That's a conversation that I have with them um, pretty frequently, right? Like don't set that expectation that you're going to be responding to emails and calls on weekends and that sort of thing, because it's just, it's not um, an appropriate boundary, especially in a, in um, the kind of professional work that we do. And so are you holding those kinds of boundaries for yourself? And then, you know, the length of time given to questions or concerns, that's a big one because um, for some folks and they can have very good intent, but like they, they legitimately like want support. They want help. They want everything that you um, will give to them. And so um, don't expect others to know and identify your boundaries and then to respect them. That's your job. And so you want to have, when we think about length of time given to questions and concerns, maybe you have a designated time and place for addressing concerns, which really protects you from feeling like you need to respond at all hours. Um, I have um, uh, some leaders that I work with, like that they will um, have designated office hours, right? So think about that in college. When you were in college, there were office hours where you could stop by, you could talk to your professor, you could ask questions, address concerns. And so this idea of office hours with your team, um, with those you work with, um, I think can, is a really great idea. And it, you know, people want to know what your boundaries are. People, you know, for the most part, people want to respect your boundaries. People want to, you know, they don't want to interrupt you if you're in the middle of something. And so I think having these designated times and places can be super helpful, not only for you, but for those um, that you work with. Um, you know, having having this sort of thing really sets a clear expectation for, um, for the other individual so they can respect those boundaries. Um, but when you don't clearly identify the boundary, this leads to confusion and uncertainty for those that you work with. And so let's not do that. Um, having those boundaries are, um, a a great thing and important thing. And then of course, hold your time boundaries. So don't go over the time allotted. Don't require the other to hold your boundaries for you and reassert the boundary if needed. And you may need to do that because, right, like maybe you haven't been very clear. Maybe someone's, you know, anxiety is getting the best of them or, you know, they're just feeling really, um, really hopeful that you can help them. And so you will probably need to reassert these boundaries. So we just talked about time boundaries, but another important set of boundaries that you really need to um, hold on to as a giver would be accountability boundaries. Okay. So this clearly um, defines what is your responsibility and what is the other individual's responsibility. And I've got to tell you, I actually use these types of questions that I'm going to share with you all the time. I use them in my professional work, but I also use them in my personal relationships, right? Like whether it's parenting or with a friend or a loved one. So some of these questions that can kind of help you to um, clearly define what bound what accountability boundaries need to be in place include what is mine right what is yours meaning what is my responsibility here 
Um, and what is your responsibility here? So for example, don't make other people's problem your problem. And that happens when you take on their responsibility, like you take on responsibility for solving their problem. So don't do that. When someone comes to you with a question or a concern, it's really important to ask yourself, what is my responsibility here? Um, There are times maybe where you legitimately do have a responsibility. And so obviously we want to be aware of that. But if you are a giver, you will likely have a tendency to be pulled into taking responsibility for the other person and whatever they're bringing to you because you see their needs, you're empathetic, you want to help, but it's not helpful if you take um, someone else's responsibility that is legitimately theirs. So another question to ask is, am I intruding on the other individual's responsibilities here? I think that can be a good question and a related question. So kind of a corollary is, um, is the other person pushing me to take responsibility here, right? So sometimes I can be in conversation with someone and I can feel that pull from them to, you know, solve a problem or to get to give them more than um, maybe I feel comfortable with. And so just having that awareness within yourself, like what does that feel like in your body when you feel pulled, um, when you feel anxious because you're, you know, trying trying to come up with a great um, solution to their concern. Be aware of that because that's where you're starting to blur some of those boundaries potentially. Another question is, what do I own and what do they own? And just a reminder, right, that accountability includes two parts. So the responsibility of, uh, you know, like if we're thinking about in a professional context, the responsibility of the leader and the ownership by team members, right? So accountability is always a two-way street. And then, of course, with these accountability boundaries, you're going to have to do the same thing, probably, that you have to do with time boundaries, which is you need to be willing to reassert the boundaries as needed, Okay, so now let's talk about um, some solutions, some help for you, right? And so I want to talk about three keys to help you be a more balanced giver in your relationships. Because again, right, there are so many gifts that come with being a giver, right? Like these individuals are gems, like you love being around these folks. And so we want you to be a balanced giver so you can retain the gifts and the strengths that come along with being a giver without undermining yourself, without depleting yourself. And so key one is focus on where, okay? So I want you to ask yourself, where am I the giver, okay? So You could do this by making a list. You could take some time and journal. You could just think about it. You could do a voice memo, but look at your relationships and identify the balance in your relationships. Are you the giver in all of your relationships or is there more balance with give and take? So identify the relationships where you are the giver. And with those relationships, I want you to ask, you know, the question of, do you notice any patterns about 
these relationships? Um, do you notice any patterns about these individuals, right? Because that could be a thing that could be specific to them. That could be specific to that relationship dynamic. It could be specific to you because you want to be a giver everywhere you go. And then identify the relationships where there is more balance, right? So you have some examples of some balanced relationships, even if you are a giver. So what do you notice about these relationships? What do you notice about these individuals? Um, so, you know, just quickly, like I, so I'm friend with, I'm friends with a lot of helping professionals, right? So we've got a lot of givers among us and certainly not all helping professionals are givers. Let me just say that very clearly. Um, but right, there's a tendency, um, among me and some of my friends to, be giving a lot in relationships. And so one of the ways that I've even noticed this with one of my good friends that we've balanced that is we take turns, right? And so, you know, maybe a friend shares some of what's going on with her and then she'll say, but what about you? Um, let's talk about you for a few minutes, right? And it's, it's actually like, those are some of the words that we say. And it's a way that we really kind of help with those boundaries because we recognize there can be a tendency um, to be the giver. And, you know, these are just good, basic communication and interaction and relationship skills, but they're not always um, intuitive. Um, so we do want to, to think about them. So when you think about the balanced relationships that you have, can you identify specific factors that contribute to more balance in these relationships? So for example, the one I just shared, having a friend that who always asks me how I'm doing, right? So if there's a conversation, um, I can see she makes the effort to check in with me as well. Um, and that's great. Um, maybe something that you notice in the balanced relationships is that you respect time boundaries with this individual or they respect yours. Um, you know, another sign that you might see in more balanced relationships is that the other individual asks for clarification about boundaries and expresses good intent. So says, hey, I don't want to take up more of your time. Um, I want to be respectful of um, what is or is not going to work for you. And so that's awesome. And then another thing to pay attention to when you think about your more balanced relationships is to ask who is holding the boundary, right? Is it all you? Like, are you having to put in quite a bit of effort to hold the boundaries? Um, is it the other person, right? Are they holding the boundaries um, where maybe you are not? And then, you know, certainly there can be the mutual responsibility for holding boundaries. And of course, that's where we, that's the sweet spot. That's what we really want to pay attention to. But to ask that question, who is holding the boundaries? Okay, so that is the first key. So you focus on where and ask yourself, where am I the giver? And now we are going to move to key two, and that is focus on why. So this is where I want you to get even more um, self-reflective and ask yourself, why am I the giver? <laughs> okay, so we really want you to get curious about your giver role. So if you notice that most places you go, you are the giver, you need to ask yourself, how does this keep happening? Like, why? Why am I always the giver? So do others put you in that giver role? Or do you put yourself in that role? So sometimes we move to that giver role because it feels good to have an answer. And it's a way that we can feel useful. 
um, sometimes we might have a belief that in order to be a good friend, we must be exceedingly helpful. And so, you know, the thing that you need to know here is that pressure to be the giver will weigh down your relationships and prevent genuine connection, right? So a lot of times people mistakenly believe that by being a giver, they're creating genuine connection. And it's actually the exact opposite. Initially, that can happen, but over time, the relationship becomes um, unbalanced and it being a giver weighs down your relationship because you're not getting your needs met, Um, in that relationship. And then of course, the stress and the pressure and the overwhelm um, from needing to be the giver. Okay. So we don't want that happening. So that was key to focus on why ask um, yourself, why am I the giver? And now let's look at key three, which is focus on what, okay. And I want you to ask yourself, what can I do to start stepping out of the giver role, okay? So like I've mentioned, being a balanced giver is great, but this assumes good boundaries and shared responsibility in relationships. So we wanna help you to begin to step out of the role of the unbalanced giver, okay? So how do you start to step out of this role? So first of all, I would say one tiny step at a time, start with one individual, start slowly and build confidence from there. Um, Some specific things that you can do, so right, like tactical things, Refrain from volunteering first. Um, put a pause on group email replies, right? Like someone, let someone else reply first. Um, when a request is made of you, say, can I get back to you? Um, because this helps you to slow yourself down and think about what's going to be a good fit for you rather than going for that dopamine hit and um, pleasing someone. You could also stay quiet in a group discussion instead of jumping in to be helpful. Um, This is something that I try to do because I'm a giver. I'm also pretty opinionated. Maybe you've noticed that. And I'm an extrovert. So I love jumping into group discussions. Like I love vibrant group discussions. But what I have found is that it's helpful for me to self-monitor, right? It's helpful for me to quiet myself. And so be a curious observer in a room. Um, What do you notice about others? What do you notice about yourself? What can you learn from these observations, right? So what I have learned as I have done that is that others will figure figure it out, right? Like if there's a challenge or a problem, when you give people space and that's a, you know, there's some good psychological safety, most of the time other people will figure it out. You learn that you don't need to step in all the time and you learn that there is value in actually stepping back. So how how do you start to step out of this role, right? Again, another question could be ask yourself, what is my responsibility? What is theirs? And then respect those different responsibilities, really, and hold that. Um, So let's think about how do you lean into the vulnerability of connection while abandoning the false security of control? So when we have the unbalanced um, relationships, that can become a form of control instead of trust. Because, right, it is it's vulnerable to have problems. It's vulnerable to, um, you know, ha- not have it all figured out. And so sometimes givers run the risk of, you know, not giving 
others in their lives anything to connect to. And so it's a way that they actually manage relationships instead of actually connecting. And so they're leaning into the false control, uh, the false control as a substitute for trust. And so you got to remind yourself that control is an illusion um, and that control prevents real connection. So take a deep breath and then be genuine, right? And so some things to just pay attention to is, you know, can you trust that you bring value to a relationship, even if you don't have all the answers? Um, Recognizing that empathy is often what's most helpful for others. They don't need you to solve their problem. You can empathize without agreeing. You can seek understanding. Also, do not underestimate the power of active listening. Um, It's incredibly valuable. And remember that most people simply want validation. They they actually might not want your opinion. Um, When you move into problem solving mode, the individual and their needs actually run the risk of being pushed to the side because the focus is on you being a great problem solver, not you really seeing and hearing the individual. So you want to be so cautious about that, um, that they just become an object on your stage where you are performing. And that's not good. That really is is not good. So can you let others show up for you as well, right? So as we think about stepping out of the giver role, so can you acknowledge your needs? Can you ask for help? Can you let others be generous with you? I think that is lovely. Um, remind yourself that having needs does not make you weak. It makes you human. Um, and remember that we all need a little help from time to time. And that's where we connect. Um, these are the moments where meaningful connection is most likely. And then the last thing is, can you allow yourself to be seen and known. So, right, like take a deep breath. This is where we move into vulnerability. And remember that vulnerability doesn't have to mean self-disclosure, although it can. So we just focus on not filtering, guarding, or protecting and being yourself right? So that's what it means to be vulnerable. That vulnerable. That's what it means to be genuine. And so those are the three keys to help you, right? So the first one is focus on where. Ask yourself, where am I the giver? So you can understand that a little bit better. The second key is focus on why. Ask yourself, why am I the giver? Like, what am I getting from that? And then the third key is to focus on what. Ask yourself, what can I do to start stepping out of the giver role? Or what can I do to step out of the giver role? That might be a little less clunky there. So um, head on over to my website to check out the show notes with the resources for this episode. I will link to um, the the last episode um, a couple weeks ago on um, the five people you need in your corner. And you can find all of that at www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash giver. So G-I-V-E-R. One more time, that's www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash giver. I'm Dr. Melissa Smith. Remember, love and work, work and love. That's all there is. Until next time, take good care. 